Here on the Meaningful Media Podcast, we try to understand why media matters and what makes media meaningful. In our last episode, we explored how Havas's latest meaningful brand study showed how an age of cynicism has given way to the me economy, or me economy. Consumers expect brands to make progress on collective action and to do so in a way that is tangible and personal to them. Inclusive advertising is not just a nice to have, it's central to these more personal expectations from consumers. It's central to media experience. Good media experience is inclusive by its very nature. In this episode, we wanted to engage more deeply on this topic. And to do so, I'm joined by a co-host, Olivia Dotsek, Global Strategy Lead here at Havas Media Group, to do just this. Liv, great to have you here. Very excited to be here, Ben. Can you, Liv, set us up with some context around this and, and the genesis for, for our episode today? Yeah, absolutely. So to set the context, of course, it is June, which means it's Pride Month. And this is a time where, of course, the topic of inclusive marketing and inclusive advertising uh, tends to rise to the top of the agenda for brands. We, of course, think this should be a year-long commitment, which I'm sure we will come to discuss in more detail. Um, But we thought that this year in particular, it's even more important to discuss this topic um, because, unfortunately, due to a lot of the more divisive uh, rhetoric and voices in some corners of the media, brands have become a little bit more reticent this year uh, to speak up and show their solidarity. Um, So we really wanted to unpack that a little bit with this context um, currently at play and really explore what inclusive media experience means and how brands can meaningfully approach this topic during this time, but also, of course, beyond. Thank you. And to do that, we've brought some guests on, haven't we? Yes. Excited to have them here. Our first is Robin Exton, the founder of Her. Her is a dating and community platform for queer women, non-binary trans, and gender non-conforming people. We're also introducing Amy Still, co-founder of Whisk, who works to connect advertisers with rising stars within the media industry. Thank you both for coming on. So Robin, we're going to come to you first. Tell us a little bit about her, about you, the platform, your growth, where you've come from, and where you're going. Tell us about her. Yeah. Um, so her was first started in 2015, although I started uh, on actually a different app before that. But it came at a time where, to put it most simply, there wasn't a dating platform that had been created uh, specifically with queer women in mind. So it was at the time where Grindr was exploding. Everyone was so excited about what it was doing, even for just the like mobile app environment. I, in my mind, it really was the first app that yep. really delivered deep value. Um, and so it kicked off like the app economy in an amazing way. Tinder had just started in the US and getting really big like volume and traffic. And But there was still the whole kind of uh, dating website era. And even of those platforms, anything that had been created for lesbian, bisexual or queer women was largely something that had been made for gay men and then reskinned and rebranded and gone, great, that works brilliantly for lesbians. Um, and at the time when I was like 23, 24, 25, I was like, it doesn't, guess what? This completely sucks. If you're a woman, this has no consideration for my experience of how I am looking to meet people, connect with people. What is the actual way that I want to meet someone to date? And so started uh, building her. And uh, yeah, it's now uh, coming up for 10 years old. Uh, we are by far and away the largest platform for queer, non-binary, trans and gender non-conforming folks. And our, 
our mission is to connect every queer person on the planet and to make it uh, just feel that you are dating and meeting people in a safe environment that feels completely like natural, completely safe, completely at home uh, in a way that deeply like you just feel seen for who you are. We get to celebrate queer culture and queer identity in a way that no other platform is able to. It's our whole genesis belief purpose is to like celebrate everything gay about everyone that uses yeah. this app. And I think one of the, the differentiators, the, the, the insights perhaps as you were you were building this app is it's more than an app, it's a community, right? The, the community um, aspects of the app are important. Could you unpack that a little? Yeah, I think I always had the belief that that would work particularly for our audience and like demographics specifically within the queer community, mainly because a lot of women when they're dating, the nature of relationships is pretty fluid between dating and friendship. Transient relationships kind of happen. Um, and so it felt very natural to our community anyway. But then there was also this like stage in people's lives where they are just seeking community. They're looking for if you like move to a new place or if you're not quite ready to date again, but you want to start chatting to people, mm -hmm. there's a craving to like build relationships within this space. So on her, the options for that are we have an actual community platform space that has dedicated communities around identity and interests. Um, we have events and content that get shared inside of that. Uh, and then we have the option to add someone as a friend and connect on a friendship level as opposed to just the um, liking and matching more romantic side. So let's talk about media experience and ads. How do ads work here and what makes a, a good a good ad experience on the platform and for the community? Perhaps you can talk us through some examples and some of the work we've done together. Yeah, uh, so we we have a broad range of what we do. I think um, at the core, there's obviously media units uh, is like a kind of bedrock and a baseline for visibility. I think what's amazing about her is the size of audience that we have has literally never been seen in a queer women's platform before. So being able to hit scale with this very specific audience is a very valuable offering that we have. So we have display units um, that are, you know, native banner and some interstitials at the right times. And then we have uh, this whole layer of kind of custom media content placements. And so that ranges from uh, written content. We're just launching um, custom video content. Uh, we do events, we do social um, uh, content. And then the really unique thing that we get to offer is custom in-app builds. And so that's where we partner with brands to add to the her app experience, something that works well with their brand and their voice. So typically our way of working with a brand is understanding their like business goals and objectives doing a kind of period where we understand our audience and what they will like about this proposition and this offering and then creating a custom plan that meets their goals but mainly like builds a, a genuine relationship with our audience with stuff they're interested in I, I, although the platform's been around for a long time that's the nature of kind of largely being self-funded for a long time and we're still largely growing our media offering and so doing the right message the right way at the right time is like the bedrock of our proposition and so we we need our audience to love this like mm -hmm. we can't risk them churning like we're a growing business we're not in this to do the wrong ad offering that makes it like bad for our users and bad for the brand so what is that perfect combination that uh, our users are going to be super engaged with and love the content they're getting and that brands get to meet their goals for what they're trying to achieve 
as a an app founder or someone who's created a media experience created meaningful media you're understanding not only of the the medium you're working in but your audience their expectations and this incredibly personal experience helps us to understand what makes good media experience good inclusive media experience now Liv I think you've got some thoughts on that that you'd like to unpack with our guests yes absolutely um Robin it was funny what you were saying about uh how your experience um within the community led you to having a greater understanding and building insights that helped you develop the platform in a way that really responded to different needs and specificities of identity within the community from a strategic perspective what's super interesting there is that that must mean that that level of insight that you're able to have in the community can really help you when you're working with brands in terms of then helping them to connect more authentically in the messages that they're trying to put across so um, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit more also um, Amy as well feel free to jump in um, about you know, at that more strategic stage when brands are starting to work uh, with um, partners like yourselves, how your ability to understand the community in that way and really bring insight in at the very start helps you to lead to those more authentic and meaningful media experiences down the line. Yeah, I can talk to that a little bit, actually, because um, obviously part of WISC, our job is to bring partners and platforms to brands and the strategy teams and show how and why that audience should be considered as a, uh, a meaningful media experience in answer to your briefs. Um, and through the work that we've done with Hamas and her, there's a couple of great examples of, of really where we've done that. Um, in the US, we worked together um, on a Mars pet care brand, a company called Whistle. And actually we lent on the her team to gather some audience insights around um, pet ownership and the propensity to spend money on your pets when you're in a queer relationship is actually a lot higher than that of a um, heterosexual relationship. And so we took those insights proactively to the Mars team in the US, um, which subsequently got woven into the brief, um, which led to a much more meaningful experience from an advertising perspective being delivered through the HER platform. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so key and important when working with partners, particularly where the audience has that, you know, real guarded sense of kind of, they have to be authentic and they have to show up in the right way, mm. like listening and getting access to the team at her and using that as a two-way arrow back mm. to the strategy team really is the only way you can drive that authenticity, that like um, the attention, the, you know, the relevancy that I think campaigns should have in platforms like that. So that's like an excellent example of where it worked really well, I think. Um, and Robin, I'm sure you can build on that in other places. And there's, there's just like, you know, there's kind of two different depths even that you can do it. So there's one, just our team. We're a team of 30, largely queer folks all across the world. Like we live, breathe, exist gay every day. Like not just in our personal romantic lives and social lives, but it is our jobs as well. We're professional gays too. So we are thinking about this all the time. And so when a brief comes in, like with Starbucks, there's even the first level well, it's like, you know, for coffee and we're like, right, gays love iced coffee and oat milk, like two <laughs> things that just weirdly we like name it in our culture. Like I get I get that the straights love that, too, but we care about it more and we talk about it more. So, like, let's use that as part of this approach. It means something to us and we know our audience is going to dig this and want to get on board with it. 
But then there's the actual like really depth layer that you can do, which is work. We've been working with Jurex for about three years and, and we encourage this so much more because of the breadth of diversity you get by just doing an actual research project at the start of working with us. Like if you are, are going to invest in this audience over the course of the next three to five years for your business, taking three months to actually really understand where your category space brand sits at the moment with the community means that you can then design really great like long-term plans and relationships. So we did that with Jurex, which then led through to some like initial early campaigns, then led through to product development on their side, which now we're seeing come out. So Jurex has released a pride box with different like sex toys and goods uh, for different body types, working with uh, an amazing trans illustrator, different creators, they then promote it. So it's just like the full cycle comes through and they were able to get there from really spending a bunch of time understanding how this audience feels about them and their space. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, that the fact that bringing a partner like yourselves in at the point of insight and strategy development means that down the line, you can really see that coming through in the way that they're meaningfully engaging is, is really, really important. And, and I think to add to that, not only the insights that I think are super key, but then, you know, that iced coffee um, kind of insight, I guess, that was developed um, alongside both of you guys, They that was so fascinating to me that not only, like, do we tap into sort of a really authentic queer culture moment that's relevant for Starbucks, but then the way that that was then brought to life, I thought was really interesting as well. So to tap into that, like, custom creative experience that, again, is truly authentic through both the the brand and the community, uh, came up with a completely kind of new idea to mm-hmm. turn their profile cards, which would usually be be there for people to learn about each other and what your interests are, mm-hmm. um, to bring the personalities of iced coffee drinks. You know that the number of different kind of uh, customizations you can make to your iced coffee drink in Starbucks really means you have a personality in your cup. Mm-hmm. And so they they brought to life those profile cards and turned them into you know the the iced cappuccino grande with extra vanilla shot with caramel something is the personality of that iced coffee. So really like tapping into not only the insight, but the creativity that brings that brand to life in an authentic way. So it's both sides I thought was really cool. Yeah, really nice kind of marrying up of insight and execution there. Robin, as you were saying before, you know, you you do have um, such a great community to be able to tap into in terms of developing insights. So if a brand wanted to come to you and do a piece of research up front, you know, to make sure that there's that long-term authentic engagement, what does that then look like on your side in terms of being able to surface those insights in a way that can then be actionable? Yeah, I think there's the like uh, getting the goals and like understanding the objectives for the brand. Uh, we then work, we actually, it's someone who works on our uh, product development team who helps craft the questions. So they do user insights and user research. So it's not just like directional questions. It's like, how do we actually frame this in a way that users are going to engage with it? Um, we normally post it as a, like, uh, we can either do kind of, um, for the scale, we'll do an in-app survey type thing. We have options to do, uh, deep dives with users and do user sessions. We typically prefer to do one-on-one sessions rather than group sessions. Um, just because often it interacts with dating and dating is such a personal experience when people don't talk about it, honestly, in front of other people, because it's, it's so, uh, like intimate and so like sensitive, your romantic, like life and dealing with hope and rejection on a daily basis inside of the platform. Um, so we designed the right approach, uh, and then 
yeah, publish an app, talk to users. I, I don't know what it is. Our users just bloody love a survey. Um, <laughs> they really love responding to it. So it's great because we get really high volume. Nice. And I know other people that have apps that do not have the same thing, but we get really high engagement on it. And it means we get a really good like volume of data size to craft a strategy and response around. So we'll take that back to the client. Here's the top line findings. We'll overlay how we interpret that. Mm-hmm. But so understand there's you know a wealth of knowledge that brands have behind the scenes about what they've seen from other audience and demographics so it might mean something different to them and that's when the combined kind of approach should come together sure and then do you make sure to stay involved as it kind of moves more into executional phase because I guess one of the things that you're also very conscious of is making sure that whatever comes out is something that feels respectful appropriate for the platform and for the community so yeah how do you ensure that you stay close to that all the way through there's so much about the creative that's so important. So we will, especially when not asked for, we will always give creative feedback. We also, I mean, just for like execution, we also allow slots for creative rotation if something isn't performing as expected. But for us, I think one big upside of being um, a startup business like this is we have also marketed to this audience for 10 years to grow our platform. So like, I know these people, I know what they click through on, I know what responds well. We know the like imagery type, the like angle, what people actually want to engage with. Now there's obviously the layer of brand owners who understand their unique value offering. And it's the combination of those two things that really comes together. So there's there's the stuff that we can look at and just go bad, don't do this. Then there's the stuff that we're like, look, our recommendation would be to take this kind of angle or twist on it. You, if you're really confident on that, we'll like vacuum, we'll put it in and we'll have a slot for creative rotation if we need to switch something out to see if that's going to work better. For both of you, in terms of when when you're creating these more inclusive media experiences, can you see it come through in the measurement of the campaigns that when there is a truly inclusive, insight-led media experience, that it is leading to those more effective outcomes for brands? We're always really focused on what's the results and how does that differ from the previous strategy? Because we're generally bringing environments like her that are both very, very authentic, have been very protective over their community and so have actually been quite strict on what advertising looks like to that community. So a lot of the time it's a fairly uncluttered brand environment that we're bringing platforms forward to. So the impact that you're able to have when it when advertising actually resonates with them, not only from a reach and impressions and you know the the standard kind of measures that, but the how has that actually shown up? Has it been more engaging? Has it delivered more impact? Has it has the sentiment changed within that group? Like those are the measures that we care about the most. Yeah, I think our space that we look at is not necessarily going to measure up to the reach figures of the Google, the Metas, the Snapchats of the world. But what we can do is really shift perception and sentiment. And we can also gain a lot of earned media from the creativity that these platforms allow us to give and allow us to have to connect to that audience. So you look at overall the entire kind of metrics and the the, the Mars uh, pet care brand whistle that we worked with, um, we 3 x their engagement on this campaign over the the span of holiday um, last year around Christmas compared to what they were running before, which was just a very Facebook centric strategy that were getting great results, but it wasn't really moving the needle in terms of like actually shifting perception. So we're always looking at those metrics and it's so important. Again, if this is going to be a year long commitment, you need to be able to show that measurement and that effect. Otherwise, you know, brands have to pay the bills at the end of the day. So we have to um, provide that reassurance and measurement. Absolutely. And we know from 
some of the emerging metrics like attention, the attention metrics are better. Um, and, you know, sort of simple reach and frequency isn't always that helpful. And I guess the, that that suggests a follow-on question, right? Which is, talk about inclusive advertising and obviously semantics come up here, but is inclusive advertising a useful term? It is if it's right for the brand. And I'm sure, Robin, you can have some thoughts on this from a from an inclusivity on the on the LGBTQIA plus side. But I think I think for any advice that we're working with brands and briefs on, we're not going to bring like inclusivity for the sake of bringing inclusivity, like in, in whatever area that might look like. Like it needs to make sense. Like I think you've got to come into it with a very diverse brain and look at all the potential options, but you've got to show up in the right way into any of those communities that you feel fit for you as a brand. Mm. So I, Robin, you probably have a, a, a opinion on that to extend, but that's our view is it, whatever you do in that space needs to be right and it needs to fit with the values of your business. Otherwise it does feel like it's a tick box exercise and not a, um, a truly relevant kind of authentic thing to your brand. Yeah, I think that's been part of the uh, stem of the issues that have cropped up over the past like three years to where we are now but it's when you know taking marketing to queer audiences has been treated as a dei initiative and Mm. so it's actually sometimes even sat under the dei team Mm. or marketing we're like cool do the one thing for this day one thing for june 1st um and the reality is like this is an audience who have money and attention and voice and is that the audience that you need for your product and your brand and I think that for some like businesses and platforms, the bit that I actually don't mind about this year is it really weeds that out for, is this an audience that you are truly trying, that, that you understand is like a valuable, a consumer, someone who is going to be purchasing your product and therefore you need to be investing in them or were you doing it as a DEI like checkbox? And for a lot of brands, I think because there has been such a change in how people identify, particularly amongst Gen Z, there's this growing thing, you know, amongst the marketing team of like, shit, we need to do something for this audience. We keep hearing that everyone's like more fluid and more queer. Great, mm-hmm. pride's the time to do that. But it's missing the mark that this is a very like growing, very large and growing segment of people that don't like, if you if they hear from you once a year, they know what you're doing. So if you value this audience and you want to have their attention and their purchase power, then you need to be treating them like a proper consumer segment as opposed to a DEI initiative. Yeah, so on that point around um, whether or not inclusive marketing is even a useful term, I think there is this kind of misconception sometimes that inclusive marketing also just means um, like dividing up your segments into different marginalised groups and then specifically doing things to reach them. And while that is important, of course, from a from a perspective of, you know, they could be a strategically important audience for you. Also, representation, of course, is incredibly important for those groups. So there's that kind of moral as well as strategic imperative in some cases. But I think also increasingly, even if you're not a member of that community, there are so many people who still want to see those values come through in a way that brands are showing up both in terms of where they're spending their money, but also the messages that they're espousing. And of course, there's always going to be the, you know, voices of dissent out there. But I do think that, especially as uh, new generations come through, brands, if they have claimed that they are inclusive and that's part of their purpose, there is that that should be coming through. And it's not just about reaching that specific audience. It's about showing that value to many people who would agree with those values even if they don't belong to those communities themselves 
Yeah, definitely. I agree with that so much. And that's ties into that. It's like, this is an all year round, like advocacy, allyship, like being present and caring about this audience and what their lives are like all year round. Cause I think for the marketers who want to do stuff during Pride Month, like I'm not against that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, great. Talk about what it means to be queer during June, because that's really important to us too. We get to celebrate and fight and get more attention but you can't do it if this is the only month that you're doing it like you have to be here as part of this like audience's life so when healthcare is taken away from trans people you are aware of that and you know um if there's like a protest happening and you're a water bottle brand like you're supplying merch at that time and then you get to say it's pride let's celebrate as well Mm -hmm. it's really understanding the existence all year round to then be able to celebrate pride yeah absolutely I was thinking about it earlier in the sense that like obviously we're seeing some brands shying away at the moment but it's like queer people don't get to quit when it gets tough so if a brand is going to then is that really allyship Robin do you have advice a prescription for for brands for businesses and uh, and for marketing folks that my like conclusional purpose for people to think about is something that first of all is incredibly important with the media and with younger generations at the moment which is around authenticity number one most important thing for gen z and since we've kind of lost this world of uh, PPC, paper action marketing, where everyone would just dump their money, get the results. And that doesn't work anymore. They literally cut off the supply. So you can't do that with your budgets in the same way. You're having to move your media into other places. Brands, first of all, have to figure out what is authentic to me, like what actually is important. I think there was this like panic when the taps got turned off for like, where does this money go? What do we do? Mm. Now they're having to figure out what's my story? Who am I? Who am I really wanting to talk to? Where where are those people? How do they need to hear from our brand right now? Um, and to do that, you have to work with an authentic partner because I think these marketers like you can't know, you know, globally where all your audience is at any point in time for the things that are most important to them. So getting the trusted partners that help you navigate that, but doing it in a way that you actually care about it. Like, is this the right strategy for your business? Are you willing to invest in this? over a period of time and if you're not it's okay like you got to pick your horses and bets like we're all trying to build businesses here and like you know build brands so you can't make a bet on every single person in the world you pick the ones that are important and you invest in them and you go hard and so you know i obviously want to pitch and say queer people are growing massively you need to care more because you haven't been for a long time and if you really want to maintain attention from this really valuable audience set I think you have to, but I also respect that that's not going to be the case for every brand and they do need to pick what is right for them. So do it authentically and uh, invest in it over a period of time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And and that's backed up by data as well. You know, there's, there was a study by a group called Credos in 2019 that showed that ad favorability in general on a global scale is at the lowest it's ever been at just 25%. And they cite the reasons for that is because of obviously consumer privacy and, and everything you talked about, the taps being turned off, but also intrusiveness and irrelevance in ads being served to that audience. So if you're truly authentic and truly relevant to that audience and you, that's where you want to show up, then do it. And if you don't, then that's okay. Amy, it's time for the Meaningful Media Fast Five. Firstly, what's your Meaningful Media right now? 
Mine's Pinterest, which Ooh. I think is a bit of a flex, but I'm renovating my home and constantly decorating and it's a great place to do that. What's the media that you start your day with? Uh, I have to say LinkedIn, which is quite depressing, but as a business owner, it's the thing that I go to first thing in the morning. What media do you turn to when you're looking to get inspired? Mm. Um, constant self-improvement journey. So I'm going to say books, particularly around that kind of self-improvement topic or genre what's your media guilty pleasure oh god the sneaky tiktok you have one media platform for the rest of your life which one is it and why i thought about this and it's sort of a you know if i was on a desert island type response um and i think i've got to say spotify just for the range of options that exist within spotify music audiobooks podcasts love it robin ready for your meaningful media fast five ready okay what's your meaningful media right now it's her it's our communities it's our social it's everything we put out of course it is so what's the media you start your day with i start with radio one <gasps> linear radio US. is it is it in the app or is it on 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 the dab it's on sonos on has sonos. something with yeah radio one what media do you turn to when you're looking to get inspired I am like niche on niche on niche. So sub stacks that get super specific and weird, like um, Dua Lipa has her service N95 newsletter, Salty Media, I love. Oh, I love a sub stack. What's mm. your media guilty pleasure? Dwell and uh, Architectural Digest, very property porn focused. Mm. So you can have one media platform for the rest of your life. Oh, which one is it and why? I think it has to be the New York Times. I moved to America, so it's like transferred over and they have cooking and games. Oh, I and love the Times. Nice. Are, you doing, are, you doing, yeah. are you doing some wordles? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was a fascinating conversation. Absolutely. Liv, what did you take from today? I think two things, mainly. Um, the first was around what inclusive advertising means and the shift that we're seeing, and hopefully we continue to see, away from it just being, you know, an annual thing on a calendar that comes out of a CSR committee, for example, mm -hmm. that it's something that requires a long-term strategic approach. And the second part, which kind of builds on that, is if you're going to do that as a brand, making sure that you're involving partners who understand your audience that you're trying to reach or the community you're trying to reach, early on in the process, making sure that your media experience, therefore, that comes out at the end of it is really grounded in a true insight and understanding of that audience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think we talked in the setup to this episode about how good media experience is inclusive. And mm -hmm. I think what, what Robin really elucidated, she pulled out for us on that, is the, the playbook for, for doing good media experience that is inclusive. Absolutely. Um, I also, from your thoughts, that idea of is is inclusive advertising a helpful term i think if you you can kind of overcorrect and in your in your attempt to be inclusive you end up hyper segmenting whereas yeah. we should be thinking about how we can make sure that everyone feels represented without being almost segmented off from the mainstream i guess it's very similar to this idea of not just being tokenistic you know even if you're doing a campaign that isn't explicitly targeted towards that community still making sure that those inclusive values are embedded and i think 
that's what inclusive advertising means to me. It's a it's a long-standing, ongoing commitment, not just to reach those audiences specifically, but a a fundamental approach. I think that's a great place to leave it. Liv, thank you for co-hosting. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's episode. A big thanks to my fantastic guest for joining me, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on all things meaningful media, the media that matters. Drop us a mail at podcast at havasmg.com. That's podcast at havasmg.com. Please do subscribe, like, and share the Meaningful Media podcast on your preferred platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. You can follow us on our socials, all addresses in the show notes. Once again, thanks. Join me, Ben Downing, soon for more perspectives on Meaningful Media.